Welcome to Christian Concepts, a weekly show in which I hold thoughtful discussions about Christianity, its concepts, and misconceptions. I'm your host, Taj, and today I am going to be talking about a very touchy subject, determining the difference between a cult and a church. Now, recently, some shocking news broke what took place just about 60 miles from here, which was just mind-blowing to a lot of people in the area. A cult leader has been swindling just countless followers out of a fortune. He got them to uh, name him beneficiary on their life insurance policies. He even convinced them to place their children in his custody. Some crazy things have been happening. He was giving, uh, they were giving him insane amounts of money and just power and flexibility in their life to just do all sorts of things, convincing him to do everything. Now, his empire was just built under the guise of darkness as a church. Really, no one really knew what was going on. But what opened everything up to the whole world to see what was going on was when he ended up on the front page of the newspaper because the police were called to the facilities and on the compound, they were found to be having a sacrifice service. Now, this is just absolutely crazy things that would be happening this day and age, but it, it was happening in the guise of a church. Now, when the police came to the scene, they saw several bodies and what have you, and just 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 a horrible scene, right? One of the members that had escaped ended up calling the authorities, and that's how everything was discovered. Now, since this cult was being uh, presented as a church, a lot of scrutiny has come onto Christians. Of course, unbelievers and people who are seeing this, they're saying all sorts of crazy things about the church as if, you know, they're lumping all of Christianity in with this cult. So how do you tell the difference between a cult and a church? Because, you know, from the outside, they may seem very similar, but as Christians, as people who are reading the Bible and what have you, that is what we're going to discuss today to be able to differentiate the two. Now, my cynical teenage self would have said the only difference between a religion and a cult is public acceptance. When something is widely accepted, it shifts over from being a cult to a religion. That's what I would have said. So when I'm speaking about religion, I'm actually speaking about a system of beliefs, right? So according to this definition of a system of beliefs, a Christian or Christianity is a system of beliefs based upon the Bible, right? So an assembly of Christians would be called a church. So what's the difference between that and a cult? First and foremost, it is the Bible. Now, I understand an unbeliever who does not put any merit or stock into the Bible itself will say, well, this is circular reasoning because you're going to be using the Bible to support your belief and disproving the fact that it is a cult. However, I'm not going to take the time to go through all the reasons why I personally believe the Bible is true, because that could be a podcast in itself, and not just one episode. I mean, an entire podcast itself of multiple episodes for years and years and years and years and years, just releasing as to why I believe the Bible is true. But in this, I'm going to assume if you're listening to this, you at least put some stock into the Bible, whether you are a Christian yourself or you are someone who is exploring your faith, trying to understand and deciding exactly what to believe. Well, I'm going to start from the premise that the Bible is true, and that is where ultimately we're going to be able to use the distinction to determine if something is a cult or if it is a church, because someone who is in one of these organizations should have at least some regard towards what the Bible is, right? Now, Christian concepts and what a church is built upon, it 100% agrees with the Bible. So much 
much so that if we look back to Acts 17 verse 11, there was a group of people called the Bereans. Now, this is when uh, the preaching was going on with the apostles. You know, this is a, a fairly new uh, system of belief. This is a quote unquote new religion, if you will, because many Jews of the days were seeing, okay, this, these people, they are some cult following leader named Jesus, whatever it is. And what is going on in this place? Now, all these different people, they're teaching, they're mixing Roman religion, they're mixing Judaism, they're mixing this uh, Christianity, they're mixing just all sorts of paganism and all sorts of different things. And there was just a lot going on because it was a very spiritual time. It's not like today where there is just so much going on as far as everyone's just so ahead in knowledge in the Western world. It's all about science and the, the, the senses and all these different things. But in Eastern culture, even though Rome is technically considered the West, but back in those times, it was a different time. It was a much more spiritual culture, and everything was just being jumbled up, and it was very hard to tell the difference. So what did these Bereans do? Well, Acts 17 verse 11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So they are literally, they're hearing what the preachers are saying. They're hearing about this Jesus. They're hearing all these different uh, doctrines and they're trying to make sense of it. And so what do they do to see if it was true, if what they were actually being taught was, was right? They went into the scriptures. So just as I started this by saying, you have to have some sort of uh, a belief in, in, in the scripture itself to even be a part of one of these organizations. Well, these people had high regards to the scriptures. So they wanted to know if it was true, if it was really coming from God, were these just rogue preachers that were a part of some kind of cult trying to recruit them or what? They went to the scriptures and saw if it was true. And ultimately, that is what, like, the big, 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 big mark, the way to tell the difference between a, a fancy sweet talker and someone who's actually preaching the word of God, actually a church leader and building a church and spreading the gospel is to look into the Bible. Because people can make some claims, very emotional claims, and get you to convince or, get, excuse me, convince you to believe all sorts of things. Now, it is up to your responsibility now to see, well, does the Bible really say that? You know how many times I've been in conversations when someone says, well, you know, the Bible says, da, 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 da. well, no, it really doesn't. What was said was, and, you know, just countless examples, right? So it is your responsibility as the person who, the listener or whatever, before you pick up and do all this stuff and start following these leaders and joining these organizations is to actually do your research. See if what they're saying lines up with the Bible. And the second big thing about uh, that differentiates a cult and a church is the leader itself. In all cases, a leader, someone who gets a following of whatever whatever sort, whether it be political following, religious following, whatever, they're charismatic leaders. They're, they're convincing. They have a way of drawing people in, whether it be their words, the way they carry themselves, the way they present themselves, maybe the way they dress. They just so much draws people into them. But ultimately, again, j just as I said with, you know, being able to differentiate the two, it is up to the person, the follower, the, the one who wants to really follow Christ to be able to differentiate too. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. 
So the church is built upon the truth. The truth is what? The word of God. And everything that the church does should be built upon the Bible, what it says, as far as what the gospel is, what we know about Jesus, what we know about God's character, what we know about the history of Israel, what we know about the future, the past, present, the heart of man, the way we think. All these things come directly from the Bible. So with the church being the pillar and ground of the truth, we're upholding the truth right? The ground, the pillar and growth. A, a pillar upholds something. And the truth itself is the Bible. So a church, a true church, upholds the teachings in the Bibles, holds it sacred, does not diminish it, does not defer from it. It does not tarnish it and is upholding. And the ground is building upon this truth, right? So you're holding it up and you are building upon it. And that's what the whole entire organization, everything in it is is toward. Now, as far as the leader, which is very important in distinguishing exactly how the difference between a cult and a church, we, we can take a look at what the Bible says about that too. And if we look at 1 Peter 5, Something is very uh, important that's said about the leader of, uh, of a church, or as I, in this passage would be called the leader of the flock. Now, the reason why it's called the leader of the flock is because a group of sheep are referred to as the flock. And all throughout the Bible and the New Testament, followers of Christ, followers of God are referred to as sheep right? There is a lot of imagery. There is a lot of examples of shepherds. You know, even King David himself was a shepherd. And then he was, you know, the great king that was reigning over Israel. So in that, you know, is a perfect picture of a shepherd over sheep, because ultimately the shepherd wants what's best for the sheep. But in this verse, 1 Peter 5, starting at verse 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So ultimately, the, the shepherd, if you will, the leader of this group, this organization, is someone who is taking the sheep, the followers, the believers, taking the oversight, meaning the, the, the position of leadership, they are caring for. They are, there, there's just so much that goes into what a shepherd is doing for the flock, making sure that they're okay, their needs are being met, that, you know, if, if someone is hurt or one of the sheep is hurt, that he's going to tend to it and so forth and whatnot. So the flock is, is, is under the shepherd in the sense that the shepherd is taking care of the sheep, not the sheep taking care of the shepherd. And also notice that this says the church of the living God, meaning ultimately this is God's church, right? So the, the leader, the shepherd, it's not his flock. It is not his church. It is the church that God has given him the oversight of. In other words, he is the under shepherd and the entire church is built upon Jesus Christ as the foundation of. The, the, the chief cornerstone, right? It is not the, the speaker. It is not the preacher. It is not the cult leader or whatever it is that that is the, the centerpiece. That, that's what's really differentiating the, the church from a cult because in a cult, the leader is the centerpiece of everything. In a church, God, Jesus, the Bible, and everything goes before the leader itself, the physical leader that is here, which is the pastor or the preacher, whatever you want to call him, the elder, the, the just whatever word you want to use for that shepherd, 
Ultimately, they are always under God. I've even heard it once referred to as being the lead sheep because ultimately God is one who's in control. It is his church. And at the end of the day, that shepherd, that preacher is still answering to and under the command of God. Now, the church is built upon the Bible. Now, the now the shepherd feeds the flock. Feeding the flock in this sense, of course, the literal sense with a shepherd, moving it to greener pastures where there is grass, there is water, and all those different things. But in the spiritual sense, a pastor feeds the flock with the word. You know, multiple places throughout the Bible, the milk of the word, the meat of the word. So like those are the heavy doctrines and such. So how even Peter, when Jesus was leaving, said, feed my flock. He was left in care of the other apostles as basically now the head apostle. Jesus is about to be crucified. He says, feed my flock. Feed them with what? It is the word, the teaching, their spiritual needs. Make sure they are met. Now, the, the leader is going to put the flock's needs before his needs at all times. It is not about personal gain. It is not about vainglory. It's not about filthy lucre, meaning trying to get rich. It is not about, you know, all these different things. A, a true leader of the church will give up his mansion so that people can eat in hard times, right? The, the, the people have nowhere to sleep. Well, he will take his own pillow, his own sheets, even a shirt off of his back. So that way the people's needs are met. That is, that is what a church leader is. And you will never see a cult leader doing that. Physically, you might see certain things. There are, it seems like, oh, they're making such a sacrifice, but ultimately a cult leader is doing the things of quote unquote sacrifices to gain power, gain more following, gain more trust, more influence. And it's all about them. And in verse three, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being an example to them is the the, it, the flock is actually not a, a servant of the leader, the preacher, the pastor, the whatever. The flock is a servant of God, is following the Lord, right? And the, the leader, the pastor, is the example, the ensample, being the, the, the lead sheep, if you will, and showing the flock, this is how we serve God. This is what we ought to do. This is how we treat others. This is how we uh, love. This is how we treat our children, our wives, and so forth and whatnot, right? That is the purpose. So when I hear about all this crazy stuff about, you know, he's taking their money and, and putting as the beneficiary, that is, that is not a church leader. That is a cult leader. A true church leader is always under Christ. And you can go through countless examples in the Bible is always going to be held accountable to God. It has to answer for the spiritual well-being of the flock. Were they taught correctly? Did they receive good doctrine? Were they loved and cared for? They have to answer to God. A cult leader answers to themselves for the most part. You know, in the end, yes, they stand before God on judgment day. But because they are not even in the group of, of church leaders, they won't be in that meeting, if you will, that board meeting with all the pastors and all the religious leaders going in, you know, standing before God to give an account for the flock. Well, they won't be in that meeting. The meeting that they'll be in is just, you know, judgment for their life, because this is, this is a completely different. They're not even in the same room. They're not in the same meeting, same league. It, it, it is just different. There's no different from the cult leader as to someone who is just out in the world doing all sorts of crazy stuff that is completely unaffiliated with any kind of religion. Now, going back to the distinctions is really the purpose of the organization. 
Why is the organization, why is that organization there? What are they trying to accomplish? Now, the church is given direct marching orders from Jesus himself. This is what we love to call the Great Commission. And you can find this in a few places in the Bible, but mainly where I'm going to go to is Matthew 28. Go you therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So that is what we know as the Great Commission, because it is the marching orders for the church and really defines the purpose. What is the organization doing? It is a church that goes out with the gospel, telling that there is a holy God that we have offended with our sin. And in response, he has provided his son, the only sinless one to walk this earth. He has taken on this burden as to take the punishment for us because sin has to be dealt with. And it's through this, he was crucified and he was laid to die. And he overcame this death through his resurrection and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And through putting our faith in him, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are able to become sons of God and have our sins forgiven. And we have eternity to be with the Lord himself. And we can rule and reign with him and all these different things. Now, that is the central message of the church. That is the Great Commission. And once someone believes that, baptizing them, adding them into the church, and all of those things is the central mission, right? And what's the end of that say? We're supposed to observe these things. So we're honoring and glorifying God by doing what he says. That is a church, cult has many things. They're promising you riches. They're promising you fame. They're promising you all sorts of things. Now, people go to those things. You know, they, I can't tell you why someone joins a cult. You, you you would have to speak to someone who is a part of a cult. Why did you get into this? What was this? What were you seeking? What were you looking for? But ultimately, a church, the main purpose is to spread the gospel. It is to add believers onto the Lord. That is the mission. So, I mean, it's pretty clear night and day. It is not about what we get as believers of Christ. It's about what Christ has done for us, how much he loves us, and how we can share that with others, and we can honor him to the best of our abilities by keeping his commandments and doing what he says. Cult disguised as churches, that is nothing new. That has been happening since, you know, the, 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 the first century, right? The Bible warns about this. It was happening then, and it was, you know, it is happening today, and it will happen when Jesus returns. That is a given. There are a lot of sweet-talking leaders out there throughout history. Just look, just countless people, individual, whether it be for a revolution, for religious purposes, whatever it is, is able to speak in a way that riles up the crowd for good or for bad, and then they follow them into doing all sorts of things. So that will never change. However, it is a Christian's job to see how their leader and their church lines up with the Bible. Because sweet talking can trick the best of them, right? We have all believed something that is not true because we were given a compelling story. I mean, this was the case from the Garden of Eden with the serpent with Adam and Eve. They were they were told something and they believed it. Some sweet talking got to them and look at the situation that we're in today. And that is not going to change. So it is our responsibilities to just line up everything that we hear, that we're taught, even what we already believe with the Bible. And that is how we're able to cut through, see the difference between a cult and a church. No one just says, hey, I'm going to join a cult and just 
end up doing some crazy things. No, gradually it happens over time because you're drawn in for one reason or another. And before you know it, just things go crazy. How that can be avoided is just by simply staying in the word of God, being like the Bereans, staying uh, true to what the Bible says, being led by the spirit and doing all these different things that we discussed uh, today. And, you know, again, I don't think any of those members of the church, because remember, it was one of the members that escaped that ended up calling the police. They didn't sign up for that, but somehow they just ended up in the wrong congregation. So what do you think about all this? Did I miss anything? Did I oversimplify something? Do you have any questions? Please take a look in the show notes. You can see all the contact information. As usual, feel free to reach out to me and I will respond to you. Thanks for spending this time with me. And as usual, I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Until then, later.